Good morning, family. Welcome everyone again to Valley Community Church. Thank you, band. As always, as uh, um, Tommy said, uh, you know they are they are helping lead as Ted and Emily are down with COVID for the time being, and so we're so thankful for all the band always as they help lead us in in worship. And so thank you guys for that. <clears throat> so we are still in a process, as you probably have figured out of moving in and, and getting everything organized into this new building. This is only our second Sunday here. And so we have some growing pains, of course, and some ways which we're stretching, but every Sunday probably is going to be a little different. We continue to worship a God as we continue to praise His holy name. And so let's uh, start with a word of prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for this morning. When we can come and we can read the word together when we can sit and sing and praise your name together. When we can be united by our belief and know how you have saved us through your son. And Lord, I pray for this time as we open up the book of Acts, as we continue our series going through the book of Acts, that we can see your word for what it is, that you can bring it to life in our minds and our hearts, that you can show us how you have moved throughout time, how you have moved in early history as well as you still move today, and grow us in your ways. Lord, we love you, we seek you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The right soundtrack makes the movie. Would Star Wars be Star Wars without the Imperial March? I submit to you, it would not. Would Jaws be half as scary if it didn't have that simple da building suspense as we know something's coming? When that perfect song hits, just at that right moment, it can hit you right here and make you feel things you don't even want to admit that you feel. Just imagine, set the scene, you're watching a movie, it's, it's reading that pinnacle moment when the hero I need a hero, I'm holding out for a hero till the end of the night. He's got to be strong, he's got to be fast, he's got to be fresh from the fight. Oh, there's one more verse. I need a hero. I'm holding out for a hero to the morning light. He's got to be sure. He's got to be soon. He's got to be larger than life. Now you know why I'm not on the worship team. <laughs> but when that song hits, it hits you right there. Now we're cheering. We're like, yes, we need a hero. And here's our hero. And of course, we all know that song. That's Bonnie Tyler's Holding Out for a Hero, made famous because it was written for the movie Footloose. You know, Kevin Bacon at his finest. Or maybe if you're an 80s kid, you remember it from the climactic scene of Short Circuit 2 when Johnny Five is chasing down the bad guys and that, that song hits. Or maybe if you have kids or in the early 2000s, you remember it from Shrek 2 when Shrek's saving the day and storming the castle. But it's become a staple, that song. It speaks to a need. We need a hero. When we hear that, we're like, yes, that's true. And we cheer because... It meets a longing. It talks to a longing that all humans have. We long for a hero. We're hoping for a hero. We're looking for a hero. We would argue that hero is Jesus Christ, that all humans are built in knowing they need this hero. We're, we're looking for heroes everywhere. People tend to look at leaders and they look at famous people. They look at community leaders and they put them up and say, these are our heroes when they can't be our heroes because they're human just like us and they fail just like us. They can't be, uh, bear that expectations and that weight because we're looking for a hero as that song says. 
Someone who's strong, sure, going to be there fast. And we're looking for that, and yet we can't find it. People are still looking for that hero. They're looking for that hero because we all, humanity, lives in the middle of God's story. We live in the reality that's imprinted on our nature that we long for this hero because we realize something's messed up. Something's not right in this world and it's probably in me and I can't fix it all. We all realize this and we know we need someone to do so. And so we look for that hero. But we look the wrong, at the wrong people for that hero. But God, in His wisdom does give us people, leaders, who are why not those heroes point to the true hero of Jesus Christ. And so the, God does give leaders and people who help point and guide and point direction and lead us and urge us to look to the true hero, Jesus. And they're pointing all the way, not to themselves, but to God and to Jesus. So why talk about heroes? and what they're called to do, why I talk about leaders and how God gives us to us, because when we come to Acts 20, and our series going through the book of Acts, when we come to Acts 20 at the end of that passage, in Acts 20, 17-38, we see Paul speaking to leaders of the church, using his own example of how he's a leader, but also speaking to them and describing and charging them on what a godly hero, or godly leader, I should say, is and how they point to the true hero. And so we can see what we should expect from people who follow God and who lead us towards Jesus Christ. And so you have your Bible. You can turn to Acts chapter 20 as we read this. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry. It's going to be on the screen as we read this passage together. And we're starting in verse 17. If you remember, we're going through the book of Acts, and now Paul is on his way back to Jerusalem. And so he has stopped in many different places, and he's, he's passing by Ephesus. And basically, he, he stops in his port city, and he calls these elders of Ephesus back down to meet with him. If you guys remember when we studied through that, that he had spent three years in this city. He had spent three years building up this church. And so he's calling people he knew who he had spent life with. Now from Miletus, he, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they, had came, when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testif testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock and couples after them. 
Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus, whom he himself said is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, and there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they, were not, they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. God calls faithful shepherds to love his flock. When we look at this passage, we see the fact that God sets up leaders, sets up people he calls shepherds to take care of his church, to take care of his people. And this is, this is the imagery of a shepherd that's used throughout this passage, it's tried and true throughout the whole Bible, that all of God's people have been, have, have been described as sheep, as his flock, as people he takes care of. And God himself is described this is why when Jesus comes in John 10, he declares himself the good shepherd because he's saying, I fulfill completely and wholly and perfectly that image, that role that I lead God's people, I take care of them. And so when we read this passage in Acts, Acts 20, we see how Paul is, is describing and charging these shepherds, these people who take care of God's people and how they're supposed to do it faithfully, how they're supposed to do it God, in a God-honoring way, God calls faithful shepherds to love his flock. Now, you might be thinking to yourself when you read this, and it's talking about leadership, and it's talking about elders in the church, and, that, and you might question, well, how does this apply to me? I'm, I, you might be thinking, well, I'm neither an elder nor am I someone like Paul. I'm not a leader in the church, so why should I care about what God says about the shepherds who watch over God's flock? Well, if you're thinking that, if you might object to that, I'll just raise a few points that I hope would encourage you to think about how this does apply to you and how this is important. First and foremost, if, if you believe in Jesus and you're part of a church, shouldn't you know what is expected of your leaders? Shouldn't you know what God would want of the people guiding and taking care of the flock? And so at the very least, when you read these charges, when we re read these kind of description of what a faithful shepherd looks like, to? Then also, I would probably challenge you if you're thinking, how does this apply to me? They say, I'm not a leader. I would say, well, this actually applies to all Christians. Because all Christians are, are charged to be part of a community of faith where we're building each other up and we're speaking into each other's lives. And so that I would say we're all leaders in some capacity, in some way, whether it's just in our families or if it's just in our, our small groups or in, our, or in, our, in the ministry teams that we're, we're a part of, we're all leading in some way. And so we should probably pay attention to see how God calls his people to lead and love and serve. And so with that being said, I hope you realize this does apply to all of us. When we look at this passage, we see the fact that God calls faithful shepherds to love his flock, and we see how Paul describes what a faithful shepherd looks like. And he has these different characteristics that, he pull, that we can pull out from the text. And so we see that he starts with, this, with using himself as an example, how faithful shepherds serve humbly or humbly 
serve. That he points to himself and says, hey, you guys know me. How I was with you for three years. How I was serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and trials. He's basically, he's, look at me, guys. I'm the most humble guy of them all. We can laugh. That seems like a very humble brag, Paul. I'm so humble. I'm the best at being humble, guys. But I made tents. I supported myself. Not only that, but I supported myself and I gave to those who, who didn't have stuff. I took care of the church. I preached the gospel day in and day out. And I, nothing was too low for me. Nothing was, was beyond me. Or above, you know, I would serve anyone in any way I could. He says, I served you humbly and you saw that. You could testify to that truth. That he was speaking to the truth that Christian leaders are called to be servants. This flips the whole dynamic that the world looks at leadership on its head. Because when we think about leaders, we think about the person in charge. The person with power. Maybe he has the bigger uh, paycheck. Maybe he has the more responsibility. But that's the leader, right? That's the person making the decisions and bossing people around. And that's how we think about that. But Christ comes and he flips it on its head. Do you guys remember in, in Mark 10, he talks about this. That Jesus sets up this new standard of leadership. That when James and John come to Jesus and they start kind of vying for these positions of power, saying, hey, Jesus... When you come into your kingdom, can I sit on your right hand and my brother sit on your left hand? Can you make sure we have these positions? What does Jesus say to him? In Mark uh, 10, starting in verse 42, he says this, And Jesus called them to him, and their great ones exercised authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be a servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That Jesus sets up this new paradigm of what it means to be a leader. A leader serves. He set the example and Paul falls in Jesus' example and now calls all people who would want to lead to fall in that same example to serve. To give their life for those other people. That a faithful a shepherd humbly serves. We're called to be servants. This is not like a false humility where we are self-deprecating, where we're like someone gives you a compliment, like, oh, no, 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 I'm not that good. You know, no. no, this is an honest humility where nothing is too low for us. No act of service is something that we say, no, that's not my job. This is an understanding and attitude where we love people through serving them and making sure stuff happens and they get taken care of. This is what this is called for. And I would say, I just wanted to take a moment, even though it might make people uncomfortable, to brag on River Valley Community Church because we are filled with people who make stuff happen, people who have given countless hours to make sure this building gets taken care of, that we move forward to spread who we are, to further the ministries, and they do it so often unnoticed. That I can, I can brag about uh, Jim and Tina and how they have ensured the steering of this whole complex thing about how we build a building gets taken care of with details because without them, I would have gone insane months ago. That we can, I can brag about Jim who gives countless hours of setting up and putting up TV screens, making sure we got a projector working and working on the sound all in his free time because he loves the church and wants to serve. 
And I can talk about David Young who comes up and makes sure we have security cameras and leads that security team and helps Jim set up all this other stuff. I can brag about Chrissy who, while on staff here, does everything and, and it goes so unnoticed. I can keep on going. There's so many people who give so much to this church and serve. And you might say, well, they're just servants. No, they're leaders because they're leading the church forward and by their basic to serving people and serving the ministries, the church is furthered and the ministry is furthered. And that leaders serve because God calls faithful shepherds to love his flock. And by serving, we love the flock. But Paul continues and says, not only do shepherds serve, but faithful shepherds do not shrink from proclaiming. Twice he says this, he uses it that was profitable in teaching you, nor did he shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. That when it comes to the gospel, faithful shepherds, leaders, proclaim the gospel, speak up for God no matter what. That they stand firm in this truth and they do not shrink back from fear of what people might think or what people might say about them, but they faithfully proclaim who God is. I don't know about you, but this is hard for me. Because fundamentally, inside of myself, I'm a people pleaser. I want people to like me. Please like me. I, I want people to think I'm a cool dude. I want people to think I'm one of them. I don't actually like conflict. I don't like tension. I don't like things that, get, that rub against pe- you know, people. I want things just to go peaceably. That's what I really like. And it hurts me when there's conflict. But Paul is saying that when the gospel's at stake, not these secondary issues, not these things that are trivial, but when the gospel at stake, he did not shrink from declaring the whole counsel of God. And that is what a faithful shepherd does. That when the gospel's at stake, you don't care what people think of you. You don't care if they might think you're, you, call you names or think you're something at stake. With, with love and respect, we declare the truth of who Jesus is and we're not moved. And we don't give an inch. When the gospel's at stake, we declare and we make it clear who Jesus is and we speak that truth with love to anyone who would hear that we stand fast in what has been delivered to us. And by faithfully proclaiming and not shrinking back, we love the flock of God. God calls faithful shepherds to love His flock. They also calls faithful shepherds to minister faithfully. When you look at verse 28, it kind of serves as that, that, that start of Paul's charge to the, uh, the, to the elders in Ephesus. How he says, Keep a close watch on yourselves and on the flock of God that He has made you overseers of. And so we see this, this charge that we minister faithfully by first paying attention to what's going on around us. And we pay attention to ourselves and to the flock. That leadership starts with yourself. That when you're, when you're thinking about how to minister to someone effectively, it starts with yourself. Make sure, keep close attention on who you are and what you believe and what you're doing. That a godly pastor, a faithful minister, makes sure that they stay true to what God has called them as, as, as true as humanly possible. But then we do look at the flock that God has given us. And we look around and say, this is the truth of who God is and let's live in this way. It doesn't come from a controlling attitude. It doesn't come from a holier-than-thou attitude saying, ah, you should live this way. 
You don't have it right. No, this comes from a, a fellow saint who struggles with sin saying, this is what it says and we all mess up. Let's faithfully walk together towards Christ. And that faithful shepherds minister faithfully as God has called them. This is why the term overseer is used here. That we read this and, and, and we read about how this position of elder or, or pastor is sometimes also referred to overseer. I would argue these are all the same kind of position in the church, a leader of a local church. And it's called overseer because it kind of describes what is required of them. They oversee the flock. And an overseer doesn't own the flock. He doesn't control this. This is not his this is why it's called the church of God, which was bought with His blood. Why? Because it's God's church. He has put people to oversee it. They're hired hands to make sure it goes well to represent Him and to point back to Jesus. We don't own this. This church is not ours like we own it. It's God's, and He gets to decide how it goes forward and what it does, and we faithfully serve as we're so much of our culture today which likes to put people on pedestals and likes to look at these leaders and exalt them above what they should be exalted and in our celebrity obsessed culture we everyone seems like they have to build a platform and make their name great but that goes against what's called what leaders are called to to be overseers to not be building your own name but to be declaring jesus christ as the name which all people should know not to be building your own kingdom but to help and serve god's kingdom so they can expand and people can be brought back into salvation know who jesus is and so be saved and so a faithful leader of god's church faithfully proclaims his kingdom and his gospel so that people can see him and know him and grow in this truth and so be saved. God calls faithful shepherds to love his flock and when we minister faithfully, we love his people like we're called to. But to keep a close watch also means that a faithful shepherd has to be alert to protect his people. We pay a close attention to to watch out for stuff because Paul says there will be wolves that come in among the, the, the church of God. And then there will even be people who are among you who start to twist the words and so lead people astray. And so Paul is saying you have to pay attention. You have to be alert. It's your job if you're in leadership or if you care of this church from following false beliefs or following uh, things that maybe lead them astray. And we watch because we care for the people. It's not because we're trying to control what people believe or to be uh, micromanage their own faith. No, it's because we know the fact that there are things that can lead people astray and can shipwreck their life. We know for a fact there's bad theology out there. There's bad belief out there that paints a different God than who the Bible paints, that leads us astray and maybe becomes man-centered and, 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 and it's people out for themselves. But this is saying we keep watch out for that so that we can protect the flock. And Paul's emphasis here is not so much that we suit up and go out and battle those wrong people. No, he says we do this. Why? So that we can admonish the flock, even if it means with tears. Take care of our people and say, don't follow those people who are leading you astray, who are leading you in ways that, this, that discount the Bible or don't, are not true to it or don't understand who Jesus is, but look to Him and know who He is and love Him. This means that theology is important. It matters. What we believe matters because it determines how we, lead, how we live. 
determines how we see God. It determines how we believe God saves us. All these cells that can make it about money, that can make it about building whatever, and we protect the flock by steering people away from that and back to the Bible and the truth of who Jesus is. God calls faithful shepherds to love his flock. And faithful shepherds love the flock deeply. They deeply love the flock. Paul goes on about his own example, about how he ministered to people, how he preached the gospel, he took care of the weak, he, he gave all this up and even expresses and supports all of this with a quotation of Jesus that we only find in Acts that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so Paul is making this, 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 this really clear that leaders, people who take care of people, love people. This is not a gooey, sentimental, hearts and valentines kind of love. But this is a love that gives. A love that is there. A love that serves. A love that takes care of people in need. A love that helps out people when they need help. A love that comes alongside as a supporting shoulder. A love that comes alongside as a celebratory friend. That is what this is. We love the flock of God. Because it's not about us. Whether you're a leader or I would argue if you are a Christian, if you any, at any time becomes more about your power boat, if it becomes more about those things than serving people and loving people and proclaiming Jesus Christ, you have missed what it means to be a follower of Christ because we're called to love deeply, that we give ourselves, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so we should be givers and give to people in need, and that we give to people who have, have to have help. We are there to give that helping hand and help them know who Christ is and follow him more faithfully. Because God calls faithful shepherds to love his flock. And those faithful shepherds not only love deeply, but they also pray for all. That's how Paul, how this passage kind of ends, is that we see Paul, after charging these elders of Ephesus, what does he do? He kneels down before them and he prays for them all. If you've read any of Paul's letters, you see this, how usually at the beginning, Paul talks about how he prays for people, how he prays for people fundamentally to know who Christ is, how he prays for their relationship with God, that he prays for people not for the health, not for the wealth, not for even some even good things, that they do well. No, he prays that they know who Christ is and walk in his ways. And so we see his heart how he prays, and this is counterintuitive to so many of us. I can admit that prayer so often is counterintuitive to how I think life should be lived. Naturally, I'm done and it's a good day. But prayer seems to defy that. Because prayer can't be limited to something you check off. It's something that you get, actually get down on your knees and you open up your heart and you pour out your heart to God and you lift people up to Him that you express this love, you express this care through praying for other people that they may know who God is and walk in His ways. So I would say leaders pray, Christians pray. Because we realize and understand that through our prayers we're reminding ourselves again and again it's not about us, it's not about our power, it's not about how well we do this. It's not how good we are, but it's the fact that God does it. And so when we want ministry to happen, when we want people to hear who Christ is, what do we do? We have to pray because we have to understand it's not with all our power to change hearts. God does that. And so we pray faithfully 
knowing that he hears our prayers and he responds to that. So we can ask, all of us need to ask, who are we praying for and how are we praying for them? Do our prayer meetings become an organ recital where we just talk about how everyone's sick and needs help? That's good. We should pray for that. But maybe we go a little deeper and we go a little for their faith and for how they're living their, their faith out in this world. And that we pray for people because that's how we love people. God calls faithful shepherds to love his flock. <clears throat> So just to emphasize this once again, if you hear this and, you, and you're tempted to regulate this to someone else, that this applies to those who are called to eldership or this applies to those who are in some position of leadership, I want to say to each and every one of you, if you know who Jesus Christ is, you are a leader. You are a leader in some capacity, in some way. You might be just a, a, a leader of your household, or you might be a sub-leader of your household, or you just might be leading someone in, in, your, in your workspace, or you might just be leading your neighborhood, but you are a leader. You should be a leader. That You should be pointing people to who Christ is through how you work and serve them and love them and minister to the people around them. People might say, well, that, that doesn't make sense. If everyone's a leader... Doesn't that mean there's too many chefs in the kitchen? Doesn't it get confusing? Not if we do leadership like the Bible describes leadership, where fundamentally the first thing they talk about is how we humbly serve. Is that when we gather together Christians, we should all be leaders who are serving, making sure the ministry is pushed forward mentally by listening to, uh, submitting to each other and by working towards each other for this, the mission that God has called us to do. That we do not shrink back from what we're called to do by actually lean into it and faithfully proclaim the gospel and lead how God has set us up to lead. Because we need to serve to lead and we need to lead to serve. That is how God sets up leadership. Is that when we start serving, we start leading people to who God is. And when we start uh, leading, we're actually serving people because we provide that on-ramp to, for for faithful ministry and how they can, they can see who God is and, and, and uh, know Him and hear His Word. So when we read this, we realize we're called to love the flock of God, love the church of God, the, the church that He has brought together, that He has bought with His own blood, and we do really love in that, this church, we love His flock by leaning into being godly, faithful, humble leaders. Because when we lead, we're showing that we care. We're not giving it to someone else to take care of something, but we lean into it and showing that God has called us to help build His church. Build His kingdom, who God is, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we're all called to faithfully love His flock. Because God calls faithful shepherds to love his flock. Join me in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for who you are. That we can come together on this day and praise your holy name through song, through prayer, through reading of your word and sitting under, uh, listening to your word. 
And so, Lord, we praise Your holy name and we ask that You take what we have heard, that You take what Your Word says and apply it to our hearts and to our minds that we can be those faithful shepherds that You talk about. That we can be Your humble servants. That we can be used by You in these, in these ways You want us to be used. That You can grow us and make us who You want us to be. Lord, we realize it's not under our own power that we do ministry. It's not under our own power that we can even come together and, and praise You, but it's, it's through the power of Your Holy Spirit working and applying Your Word and the truth of who Jesus is. So Lord, we ask that You continue to grow us, continue to make us who You want us to be, that we can serve You all of our days and be the church You have made us to be. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing through uh, I Surrender All again.